Welcome, patrons, to this week's B-Side. Joining us once again is the delightful and brilliant Megan Day. Really enjoyed our chat on the A-Side. We made a very compelling case as to why principal democratic socialists absolutely must get involved in the Bernie campaign and in the process that is developing around the Bernie campaign, the process of mass radicalization. So we're going to keep that up and talk about some more themes as we go on. Megan, thanks for coming back. Yeah, thank you for having me. So we got into the weeds a little bit with the inside baseball stuff on the primary. And how can you not? If you if you call yourself a leftist, there's a lot of excitement. I open up the Washington Post. Hell, I don't have to open up. It's on the front page. And they're talking about inclusive ownership funds and sovereign wealth funds and employee ownership, for God's sakes. I mean, I used to get giddy when like, you know, there was a there was a a story on in Newsweek on page 49 that was like a little blurb about, you know, I don't know, some really milquetoast, wishy-washy socialist topic. And nowadays it's right in front of us, all around us, constantly. I mean, you kind of have to pinch yourself and give yourself some context in order to really appreciate it. How do you feel uh, these days? How are you feeling, Megan? You feeling good about this? Are you, are you kind of, do you have to pinch yourself from time to time? Well, here's the thing about me is that I am actually a product of the sort of mass radicalization wave of, you know, 2015 through 2017. So I just have to remind myself constantly that it wasn't always like this because there's a part of me that I guess subconsciously always feels like these were rooms that existed before I walked into them. And I just am frequently reminded by people who've been around longer than I that actually no such rooms existed. And they were only created because, you know, people like me kind of walked in off the street and said, all right, how do we do this thing? Yeah. So you have a deep appreciation for history and context. And and, and that's 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 I don't say that's rare, but it's valued for sure. Um, You know, and I don't put any I don't put a premium on having just breathed oxygen on the left. Uh, for any extended period of time, just because you've been around the left for longer than somebody else doesn't make you innately better or more capable. I think uh, the infusion of intellect and enthusiasm and creativity that the left has seen since I, you know, came uh, became a, a member of the left about a decade ago, um, it's it's been welcomed for sure. But there's also a case in which I think people take it for granted that the the power and the purchase that our ideas have in broader society. Of course they do, and they always will. This is just the way things are. And you're absolutely right to point to the fact that the people who entered the scene in 2015, 16, 17 uh, perhaps don't have an appreciation for that, which can oftentimes lead to uh, what I'll call in a technical sense, ultra-left prescriptions. Ultra-left not being like further to the left than us, but being much further out to the left than what is – even remotely possible such that it ends up almost kind of effectively becoming a form of nihilism uh, rather than real, a real political conviction. And, you know, one of the key themes on this show, I haven't been right about everything. In fact, I've been wrong about a lot, (laughs) but one of the things I think that DPS has been really steadfast about, and I'm really proud of this and I didn't come up with it. Hell, I had some really great mentors uh, who many of whom have been on this show. Uh, all of you will be very familiar with them by now. Uh, but this democratic road to socialism, this idea that this insurrectionism, this insurrectionary uh, putsch on the state is not only possible, but but not even desirable in our current context. 
and that uh, these structural reforms, these non-reformist reforms, this democratic road to socialism uh, is going to be a contradictory and difficult path, but it's one that we must nevertheless travel. That is starting to gain quite a bit of traction on the democratic socialist stuff in the United States. I know Chris Maizano penned a piece uh, that was uh, The Call, uh, posted that up on their website, arguing for the democratic road to socialism, suggesting that this kind of insurrectionary model is dead. It's a dead letter these days. Uh, What's your take on all this? I know you have some strong feelings. Yeah, I think that Chris's piece is phenomenal. And if people haven't read it, they should totally push pause and go read it right now and then come back to this conversation. I think it was a very welcome and necessary intervention. I actually spoke to him the other day and he seemed, um, you know, dismayed only that he had to make that kind of intervention. But it's true that there are people who are relatively new to the left, some who are not. And I actually think that Chris's interlocutor in this debate is actually not new to the left at all. But, you know, plenty of people who are new to the left also are, they really, they really have just started to internalize the extreme limits that capitalism places on efforts for reform on vying for state power on the labor movement in the form of, you know, not only repressing that movement at every term, but also fostering, you know, conservative bureaucracies in the labor movement that act more as, you know, mediators or keepers of labor peace between the working class and the capitalist class than catalysts for, um, you know, working class revolt and strength and power and so on advancement. Um, And because they've just hit that, because they've just hit that level of awareness, their mind quickly turns to, well, we'll have to do something else. We'll have to do something more dramatic, more, more radical. They, I think that it would, would be how they would characterize it. So, for example, we need to arm ourselves. Like we need to have like paramilitary organizations. Uh, you know, DSA needs to have some sort of paramilitary win. I don't think this is like, a, I don't think a ton of people in DSA actually want that. I think it's a, ve- it's a very minority position, but there are a lot of people in DSA who don't know what they think. And it is possible for people who, you know, make that claim to bring in new people to that position. And it's also possible that people will just go, I don't know, like these things, the democratic road to socialism and like insurrectionary strategies, maybe both of them seem fine. I don't really have an opinion on that. Well, we want them to have an opinion on that. I personally would like for the level of political education in DSA to reach a point of maturation where everybody has an opinion on questions like these. And my, I personally would like for them to decide that we shouldn't engage in insurrectionary strategies at the moment for a couple of very good reasons. One is that we live in the world's most well-armed imperialist capitalist superpower literally ever in existence. It has 800 bases around the world. It has an army the size of which we can't even fathom because it's connected also to, you know, like things that are not (laughs) available for us to view and understand. And in order for you to us to mount some kind of insurrection against the capitalist state, it would be impossible for us to not get immediately crushed and also to discredit our movement unless we had, you know, mass movement behind us. So in order for you to even do that, you know, effectively, you're going to have to engage in mass working class movement building, right? 
So, so that just points to the, all of the strategies that I would suggest instead, which is that we should engage in contesting for state power in such a way that we're using those campaigns as opportunities to evangelize about socialism, to raise the expectations of the working class, to raise class consciousness, to uh, build the capacities of working people to self-organize, to build their confidence that they can actually change things, to strengthen the institutions of the working class, whether they be, uh, you know, labor unions or whether they be, you know, socialist groups or whether they be grassroots, you know, coalitions campaigning for local issues and things like that. Um, the other reason why it's not so therefore, I guess, to wrap that up, if you want to do an insurrectionary thing and you want to have, you know, and if you want to have like a stage, some sort of like violent armed coup, um, more power to you, I guess, though, I think it's a terrible idea. But I also think that if you're going to try to do that effectively, you still have to engage in all of the things that I'm proposing that we engage in instead in order to get yourself to the level of involvement that you would need to pull it off. Um, my, I guess my thinking is that you probably still wouldn't be able to pull it off. Um, and and other- you may also discredit uh, you know, democratic socialism along the way too, inspiring yes. a, a massive clampdown by the you know, repressive apparatuses of the state and in the process and thus ruining our chance. Uh, for a democratic road to socialism. That that would be my little caveat I'd throw in there. Maybe I'm less tolerant than you. <laughs> no, I completely agree. I completely agree. I think it's a really big danger. I think that we have to we have to imbue our movement with a mass character. Our demands are radical only insofar as they are anti-capitalist and capitalism is the law of the land. Um, people should feel like the socialist movement belongs to them because they are working class people or because they have a moral stake in living in a society that isn't characterized by cutthroat competition, exploitation, domination, inequality, poverty, war, and so on. So we want everybody to feel, well, everybody except for the capitalist class, that is, who we don't necessarily care how they feel. They're not operating based on their feelings anyway. They're driven by a compulsion to maximize profit. But we want everybody else to feel like this movement belongs to them. And a really good way to scare them off of it is to uh, create some weird little brigade of armed people engaging in some kind of activity that you don't think is terroristic, but the, the, the ca- your capitalist class enemies will be very quick to portray using the media, which is a tool at their disposal, not ours, as terroristic and thereby scaring people away from us, which is a terrible idea. But the other really important thing is that we do live in a democracy. It's a very limited democracy because under capitalism, it's impossible to have real political democracy instead of, you know, a real, a real political democracy requires, you know, like democratic control over the workplace, because if you have private control over the workplace, then certain individuals have the means available to them to influence the state in their favor, not just by directly pressuring state officials, but just because they control whether or not the economy is functioning properly and whether or not people have jobs and whether or not there's mass, you know, economic desperation, they can actually make that happen if they don't like something that's going on. So we have a limited political democracy in the United States, but we, we do have some kind of democracy. And because we do, and because we have mass enfranchisement, near universal, though not universal enfranchisement, people don't people don't want to go to war. They don't want to. They want to vote instead. So they we have to convince them that actually they do have to go to a certain kind of war, the class war, and that they can't stop at voting. But we're we're not if the choices that are being presented to them are here's a gun and some guys in the woods that you can go train with, or here is the ballot 
box and go ahead and cast your vote. I mean, the vast majority of people are going to want to cast their vote instead. So what we have to do with the democratic road to socialism is about is about using that process, for example, voting elections, contesting for state power as an opportunity to convince them that they actually do have to go to war, like I said, but the war is not necessarily a violent war in which they can risk losing their lives. It's organizing with people in their workplaces, with people in their community to actually, you know, defeat capitalist class interests in favor of of working class interests, shared working class interests. And that, I think, describes the strategy of the democratic road to socialism is like using the democratic tools at our disposal, limited though they may be, to convince people to participate in class struggle and not simply writing them off because there's some sort of crude conception that the only two types of socialists that exist are those who believe that we can magically legislate in socialism and those who believe, you know, otherwise. This concludes your free teaser of this week's B-Side. Head over to patreon.com slash dead pundits and subscribe today to hear the rest of this episode and to double your DPS pleasure each week.